Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit out of Nehemiah 8, but predominantly I'm going to be in Ephesians 1 and 2. So wherever you want to stick your finger, 8 I'm just going to skim over, and then 1 and 2 I'm going to dive deep into. So Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you reveal Jesus to us, and that's what we ask. Reveal Jesus to us this morning. Show us, Lord, uh, hidden gems, Father. Preach to us in, individually, Lord, the word that you have for us. Reveal Jesus as, as we need to see him, Lord, each individually. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for your wonderful presence here. Bless this time, Lord. Bless this fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for being able to be a part of a community that loves you and desires you, Father, and that's willing to spur each other on to know you more. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd help me uh, get this word out uh, as you've laid it on my heart. Give me the uh, stories, wisdom, ways to, to, to make it clear, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, uh, we've been talking out of the book of Nehemiah now for, uh, I guess, about nine weeks. And so, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 is after they've built the wall, and the wall's restored, and they've gone through some um, persecution and problem, and they've had to trust the Lord, and they've kind of come together, and they've finished the wall, and uh, Nehemiah 7 is just a list of who all came back, kind of reminds you of the faithfulness of the Lord. And then we get into uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, and what happens is, is the beautiful process of the Lord is when we see the Lord and we see him do something, then at that point he invites us into going into greater depth with him. And Nehemiah chapter 8 is when he expounds upon, and Ezra gets up and he reads the word from this platform, and he reads um, the text of, of the law, of the book of the law, and everybody begins to weep. And they're all weeping as they are hearing the law as they're hearing the voice of God speaking to them. So a couple things happen there. One is they begin to see God, but in their seeing of God, they begin to see themselves where they actually are. And they begin to realize we are far from who God asked us to be. When we look in the mirror of Jesus, we see, uh, one, we see Jesus, but also we see our lack. And so they begin to... Um, weep at this time, they're affected by what they're hearing. And I always thought it was kind of strange how the, the, the priest went through then, and they all went out and they began to calm everyone down, and they said, hey guys, you need to stop crying, you need to stop weeping, because today is a day of victory and a day of joy, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is where that verse is. Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We used to have a song back in the uh, 80s where we would sing that, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is where it's coming from. And I always wondered about that, uh, why he does it here. You know, why it's such a weird verse. Why do they go around and say, okay, guys, it's time to stop. Because uh, he goes and the priests are informing them and saying, okay, now you've seen Jesus. Now you've seen yourself. Let's not rest on where you are. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Because it's the joy of his mercy and his love toward us that brings us into the victory. Okay? 
So we've seen, the God's, we've seen God's victory, and in that, he invites us in to take a look at ourselves in the mirror of his word to see who we are as compared to him, and that should bring us to a heart of, oh, wow, I am not meeting up. But we don't remain there. We go on and we go, okay, but Jesus, you, you love me, you're faithful, and you bring me into, and you've promised to conform me into your image is the hope that brings us into that next level. And so they do this. This is Nehemiah chapter 8. It is the invitation of you've, you've seen it. You've seen the Lord move. Now I want you to, sh- I, wanna, I invite you to see yourself and then I need you to see who I am. Okay? So let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. This is the book of, of Paul. It's a letter written to the church in Ephesus where Paul lays out what he's thinking, what he's seeing, and uh, wants to be clear to them. And there's, there's the same, uh, <coughs> same um, pattern that I just referred to. Uh, Paul, Paul experienced that pattern. He was Saul. He had seen God. He was being a zealot for God. He was being religious. He was in a hot pursuit of who he knew God to be. And then he meets Jesus and sees Jesus on the road to Damascus where he's going to uh, persecute believers. And he meets Jesus and he realizes, wow, I'm nowhere near what I should be. I, I have, I'm mistaken in my understanding of who I see you as. And it pierces his heart. And he spends three days without eating. He's fasting. He can't eat because he has seen who his, where his heart is. And God sends Ananias to him to lay hands on him and then his eyes are recovered. He's, uh, the scales fall off of his eyes. He sees fully again the goodness of the Lord. And the Lord reveals to him all that he has for him and what he wants him to do. It's the same process. It's the same pattern where you see God, you're introduced to him, and he, he invites you into a deeper walk with himself. In that process, you go through a period where you see where and who you really are. And then he goes, okay, don't stop there. Continue in your pursuit and sight of me. Okay? So wherever you are in this process, this is the way it goes. And it's a continual process. Okay? This is a lifelong process that we go through as we see God, then see ourselves, then see God again. Then see ourselves, then see God again. And then see our, and just like that, as we are conformed into the image of Christ. Paul here says to the Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. He said, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, because you are, your faith is active, it produces good works. That because you aren't just dead, you just don't have a declaration and you're not living it up. Because you bear the name of God not in vain. Because of these things, I know you're alive, you love Jesus, and you desire more. That's the fruit, the most visible fruit of do you have faith in God and do you love the saints? That's the basic fruit of are you moving forward in your faith? Do you really know Jesus? That's what we look for. So Paul says, since I see this in you, verse 16, I don't cease to give thanks for you. Man, I am thanking God all the time for you. 
This needs to sink down in your heart because you need to relate it to where you are right now. Because some of you, I think, would say, well, I don't know why Paul would give thanks for me, man. I'm a screw-up. You know, I'm failing right now. Do not think that these Ephesian believers were like, floating, looking like Jesus type people all the time. Ephesus was the city, and it was a pretty risque city. I visited um, Anatolia. It's down on the southern coast of Turkey. It's around the bend from Ephesus. It's uh, one of the capitals down by Perga, uh, right on the Black Sea. Jill and I were there over 9-11. When 9-11 happened, we were in southern Turkey, uh, had a week break, and we were down there. And there were all of these idols for sale in all the marketplaces. And they were all from Ephesus. They were all the Ephesians' uh, idols. And they were all uh, nude beings, over-sexualized beings. Uh, uh, The emphasis was sexual pleasure. And all came from Ephesus. Still, and this is uh, 2001, and it all still comes from the worship that was there back at this time in the early zeros. Okay? So it's a pretty paganistic area of the country. And Paul is writing to them, I do not cease to give thanks for you. See, I am thankful as a pastor. I am thankful for each one of you. I can look at our our members list, our our list of people that we have that call this their home, uh, that we update periodically, you know, and look through it. And I know your stories. And I can say, man, I am thankful for this person. I am thankful for that person. I am thankful for that person. Because I see the work of Jesus in your heart. And Paul says, I not only give thanks for you, but I remember you in my prayers. I remember you in my prayers because I know that prayer is powerful to cause you to continue to grow in your faith. When you pray for one another, you're helping to spur them on to grow in their faith. He says, I remember you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So he's asking God. He's saying, God, you are the the Father of Jesus. You're the one that that, uh, allowed Jesus to die on the cross and raised Him from the dead and instituted this so that we would know you better. So you know what's going on. And you are the Father of each and every one of us. So you know what each and every one of us needs, what's going on. You're not asleep. You're not behind. You're not out of the picture. You're not uh, vacant. You're not emotionally detached. You're not, a, you're not busy, too busy over there. You have see each and every one of us. You know exactly where we are. So I am asking you, Father, to give each and every one of you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know Jesus better. The spirit of wisdom comes through those fires. So you're walking along, and all of a sudden you walk through a fire. You walk through a hard time, a trial, a difficulty, and you begin to see God. You begin to see yourself, and you begin to see God in a new way. How many like fires and trials? How many like wisdom? 
Do you know how you get wisdom? Wisdom isn't just a... I remember as a kid, I had heard a, a grown-up say in one of the sermon times that my parents dragged me to that uh, wisdom is the key and wisdom will be, uh, is vital and you need wisdom in your life. So ask the Lord for wisdom. And so I think I spent like three or four years from like 12 to 16 whenever I prayed going, okay, Lord, I please give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me wisdom. Not knowing and not understanding that basically I was asking, Lord, put me in the fire and keep me in there, Lord. Help me walk through tons of difficulty so that I understand and can see what true value of life is. How people think, why they think they do, what the enemy uh, uses to dissuade us and discourage us. Uh, how, who you really are and what you've done so that I can really see it and be able to apply it practically to life. Wisdom is that. It's knowledge that is applied directly to today. You know, it's great going to a marriage seminar, but if you don't gain wisdom from it of how to apply it to your marriage today, it, you just spent $399, I don't know, for the chocolate they give on the center of the table when you're sitting there, you know. We want wisdom. But to gain wisdom, we have to be willing to acknowledge the fires we're walking through and be thankful for them and say, okay, God, I don't like this fire right now, but I'm thankful that you, through this fire, are going to instill in me wisdom, and I'm going to see Jesus in a new way. I'm going to see how Jesus loves me exactly where I am today, how Jesus can come into where I am today and conform me into my image, help me to become into greater levels of freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, make you free. It'll do it. So actually, when you go through fires, you're actually being invited into greater freedom. When you go through a fire, it isn't, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm walking through this fire right here, and I'm going to be in this fire for the rest of my life. No. It is, I'm going to walk through this fire and then it's going to hit me. Okay, I don't have to live here. Jesus, how do you see differently? How are you different? What do you do so that this fire doesn't burn? And Jesus gives you a revelation. And you're like, wow, this fire doesn't bother me anymore. And suddenly you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're praising in the fire. And Jesus says, hey, great, you got it. Let's move forward. And you walk into the next place. Because you have seen yourself. You've cried out to Jesus. You've seen him. He's revealed himself. And you've grown. Paul wants you to have that spirit of wisdom. Wisdom comes from the fire. So Lord, I pray, Father, in the midst of the situations that I'm dealing with, Lord, give me the wisdom that I need that I don't prolong the fire in this area. Help me not to stay here, Lord. I, I, I still do. I, I don't do it as much anymore. But I, I, for a whole time period, I would say, Lord, save me from myself. Because everything within me wants to take this fire and get upset with it, be angry with it, uh, do, uh, use every negative out that I can instead of yours. And so, Lord, save me from myself and conform me into your image, Lord. Help me not to keep 
Save me from myself. Give me the wisdom, Lord, so that I don't hurt others. I want to grow, Father. See, when you gain wisdom, guess what you get to do? You get to give wisdom out. Wisdom is a solid gold seed that you can give other people. And you can say, you know what? I was there. I understand. I've been there. I've been right in that moment. This is what Jesus revealed to me. And you give it to them, and you let them do with it what they want to. You don't force it, beat them over the head with it, but you just give it to them. Sometimes they're ready and they're able to receive it. Sometimes it needs to percolate a while. Sometimes it needs to, they'll put it on a shelf. And you just need to trust the Lord with that and let them do it. But when you have wisdom, you are able to give wisdom. James chapter 1 talks about counting it all joy in the midst of trials and tribulations because it builds perseverance. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. Because the Lord wants to give you the spirit of wisdom in this area. So if you're in this moment thinking, man, I've been going through this for years. I'm tired of it. I don't, I, I don't know how to get out of this. I feel like I've been in the fire of the Lord for decades. And ask the Lord to give you the spirit of wisdom so that you can see what Jesus needs you to see to walk out of that fire. First, so that the fire stops burning. And then you walk out. The spirit of wisdom. He also asked for the spirit of revelation. <clears throat> you know, we, we, work, we operate in two things. We operate in grace and we operate in charisma. I don't know if you know the difference between the two. Uh, charisma appears in the Bible about 13 times. Grace appears in the Bible in the New Testament. These are Greek words. 246 to 248 depending on the Greek text. Okay, so you can see that the word grace, katas, appears far more than charisma, charisma, or however it's pronounced in the Greek. It's only 13 times, okay? Katas is the ability of God that he gives you, that you receive by faith, that you can receive Jesus and walk in situations. By grace, we are saved. I get my eyes on Jesus. He gives me an understanding of who he is. I receive that by faith, and I can walk in Jesus. You know, in, in all situations, having all that you need, grace will abound to you. There's tons of verses about grace. Whenever you run into grace, you can think, okay, this is a faith-received thing that Jesus has given me. It's the power that he's given me by the Holy Spirit to do this, okay? Charisma is a non-faith-received hoof of power. So you have miracles of healing. Those are charismas of healing is the actual word. We call them gifts of healing, but the word gifts there is charismas. And you don't receive it, you don't, you're not faithing for it, you're not looking for it, it's just bam, I don't understand it, but it just happened. That is a miracle healing of God. And we all have charismas in our lives. You can look back and go, okay, man, in this situation I wasn't seeking God or I wasn't looking, but man, it's just the provision was there or the miracle was there or the salvation was there even when I wasn't looking for it. And it had nothing to do with me. It was just God just going, I want you to know I, I love you and I'm able. That's a charisma. That is also this revelation right here. 
God will give you at times revelations that will push you forward in your understanding of Jesus and yourself and it will break you free. It'll be, boom, it hits. There's wisdom and there's revelation. I think most of our life is in the wisdom. We walk it out. We walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. We daily crucify the old man and put on the new man. We daily walk through this stuff. But there are also times when the Lord just blops it on you. And man, you just jump forward in your faith and understanding of Jesus. He gives you the word, speaks the word over you that just sets you free. We can't live in charismas. Charismas are good, but we can't live there. Okay? We live over here. We walk through the fire. We're conformed into his image. This is where you go deep. That's why Paul says here, I, I want you to get that he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you have both operating in the knowledge of him that you would know him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe basically God is able he loves you he is able The thing about revelation, I can get a revelation, but I can't really share revelation easy. You ever had somebody, man, and they just, they, they just run off of the revelation, and you're like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, hello. And then they go, oh, well, I guess you had to be there. But over here, when you've walked through the fire, you have this weight behind you that when you speak, it just carries this weight. And people can feel it, listen, and they receive it. Revelation has to be given individually. Wisdom is just dolled out. You can just pass it out. So don't shy away from your wisdom because you don't feel like you have revelations. Guys, Give your the testimony of your wisdom. What has the Lord walked you through? How has He revealed Himself strong? Isaiah 53, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's the wisdom. What have you walked through and seen? What have you suffered through and understood about Jesus? What fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have you found yourself in and seen Jesus in the middle of it? Preach that. Share that. Lovingly serve with it. Walk people through. There's power there, guys. There's Jesus there. That wisdom is Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Share that Jesus with people. Share who you see. So he does this, and he, uh, God, he, uh, Paul's praying that you would see the work of Christ in its completed state. 
this power and stuff that he, he revealed in Christ when he worked, when he raised him, that had seated him at, at, in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and every name that is named on earth in this age and the one to come. That's kind of like a, uh, uh, a, a coverage all, <laughs> you know. It, it, it just covers everything so you don't have to worry about him missing anything. It just covers it all. Jesus is, is bigger, okay? Jesus has more authority. And he put all things under his feet and gave him the head to be over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all of it. Jesus is with you. If you're a part of the church, the church, Jesus is with you. If you're walking through a fire and you're a part of the church, Jesus is with you. He has wisdom for you in that fire. He has breakthrough for you in that fire. <clears throat> you know, we're looking through the book of Nehemiah, and they do this great work where they build these walls. And I talked to you apostolically about seeing the walls around you and allowing Jesus to show you those walls so that you can begin to build up what's around you as God wants you to. But I think he does it this way where he had them work, complete the work, and then he revealed himself to them in, in chapter 8, which seems kind of reverse. It seems like you would come in and go, hey, I'm God, and they would go, yay, he's God, let's all work. You know, instead it was, let's all work, and then, wow, he's God. I think he does that because I think he wants you to understand that the most important thing about you is your relationship with him, not what you do. The doing, you know, is just a normal process like you're eating and you're brushing your hair and brushing your teeth, hopefully, and, and things like that are just normal processes of life. That's just part of being a believer. You're going to do these good works. Jesus is going to bubble out of you. Let him. Let him enjoy himself through you. But that isn't your value. Your value is that relationship, Papa. We had some friends over, and uh, Vika was, I was, we have an L-shaped couch, and I was sitting here, and Vika, my 17-year-old, my was sitting next to me, like right next to me, you know, which I enjoy because I'm a touch, and so she's a touch, and so she's sitting right there. And then uh, the husband, they have younger kids, and so he sat down, and his uh, seven, eight-year-old daughter came and, and just wanted to sit on his lap. And we had about an hour and a half conversation, and the whole time she was sitting there, and then every now and then, you know, he would, he would shuffle a little bit in the conversation, and he'd pick her up, and he'd set her next to him. You know, because you, you kind of get tired of those little bony butts on your legs. You know how it is. And then she was like, oh, and she jumped up and ran, ran, got in front of him and then scooted back up into his lap again. And then she would just lean back, you know, just sitting in his lap, enjoying her dad's presence. And I kind of nudged Vika. I said, you used to do that all the time. You know, now you're just, you're 17. You're just too big, you know. Uh, but that's, and it just reminds me, you have the ability to get up it, and that's what God enjoys. You just sitting in his lap and enjoying him. Some of my fondest memories of my father, you know, he passed a couple years ago now. 
is he would come home from work, he would sit down in his lazy boy chair, and I would come and I would sit right in the middle of his feet, and I would hug his legs on both sides, and then he would run his fingers through my hair. That is like my fondest memories of my dad. It was just the intimate connection with Abba, with Papa. That's what's important to God. The work stuff is all good. Yeah, it comes out of, you know, it's all great and it's fun. But this is what's most important. That's why he wants you to know him, that you have access to come in and sit at his feet and enjoy him. Come boldly into the throne room. So he goes on here, Paul does. <clears throat> you know, there are no chapters in the, the Greek letter. We put chapters in to make it easier. And I wish they didn't do the spaces sometimes because uh, it kind of kills the flow. But he does this whole thing about what he's praying for us. And then he goes right into what we call chapter 2. And he says, and you know, remember, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the powers of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. God wants to remind us we are not children of wrath. You may have areas that you struggle in. You may have areas where you're like, Jesus, I look nothing like you in this area. And he goes, I know. Let me walk you through some fire. Let me conform you to my image. Let me reveal myself to you and set you free. Because you're not a child of wrath. Fire is not wrath. Don't equate it with wrath. Wrath is, I'm done, there is no hope, it's over. Oof. Fire is not wrath. Fire is, I love you and I want you free because it's hindering our relationship. I want you to free to get up and get in my lap. But right now you're like, mm, I, don't, I don't think I can because I've done some things. And I don't think you would welcome me, so I'm hiding from you. And he's like, hey, come on up here and sit down and talk. Come up here and sit down and talk. Tell me what's going on. And you're like, I can't, I don't want to. Or you're hiding underneath the kitchen table. You're fearing wrath and there's no wrath there. He's like, we just need to have a talk. Come on up here and talk. And he's like, okay, do you understand why that was bad? And eventually you say, yeah, I understand what it meant to me. How about we don't do that anymore? Okay, Dad. And then it may happen again. And he said, you, you remember our talk last week? Yeah, I do. Uh, it, it's sinking in. <laughs> I'm glad you're patient with me. So when you read this, this is not your identity. This was your identity because you weren't children. You were children of wrath. You were paid for, bought, loved, but you did not see God or acknowledge him or even know that it was possible to come into the house, let alone sit on his lap. You would run up and down the street and he would have the door open saying, come on in. Hey, come on in. It's good in here. It's cold outside. It's warm in here. Come on in. 
And you're like, talk to the hand, I'm having too much fun. But eventually, by the grace of God, His love broke through to your heart and you said, Jesus, I want to come in. Can I have supper with you? And He said, and you live together. You're not children of disobedience. You're in the house. You have a father. Let him love on you. Let him walk you through the difficult seasons that you find yourself in. Let him lead you out of the fires and into freedom that he has. This is what Paul prays over them. This is what Paul encourages them. But God, in verse 4 of chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Get that grace, you walk it out. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Immeasurable. Means you can't measure it. That tells me there's no end to it, you know. The immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Kindness is patience shown. It's strength shown to those that are weaker patiently. That's what kindness is. Kindness is you deserve a hit upside your head, but instead I'm going to talk to you, get your attention, and explain the situation to you. Shine, kind, kindness. Kindness is when you, the uh, checkout person is having a terrible day and they decide to take it out on you, and you respond quietly, lovingly, peacefully. And you speak peace in the situation. Kindness is when your co-workers blame you and throw you under the bus for the situation. And you humbly take responsibility for your part. But just lay out peacefully the situation in its reality. You don't fight a war, basically. Kindness is you having the strength and using that strength not to to power over people, but to serve them. Kindness. So God does this toward us. He shows us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus because he could just say, you know what, guys? I'm sick of it, you know? How many times are are we going to have this conversation? That's what we want him to say because we just felt pretty bad. And he goes, nope, you know what? I'm pointing you to Jesus. Jesus is big enough. See Jesus. See Jesus. See Jesus. See yourself and see Jesus. Because that's what's going to bring change. If I hit you upside the head, it's not going to bring change. You're just going to hide underneath the table next time I see you. You're not going to come sit in my lap. Kindness. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one can can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk 
in them. So these fires that we walk through are God's beautiful workmanship when he has the grace there for us to learn and to grow and to overcome in these areas so that Jesus is visible and we can go, yes, he is so good. Instead of punishing me, he did the opposite. He showed me kindness. He walked me through this and I have learned. This cycle that I've seen, this pattern is throughout the Bible and I encourage you in your moment to understand. You see God, then you see yourself, and then he shows himself again to you in a greater way. Where are you right now? Are you seeing God? Are you seeing yourself? Or is he revealing a new greater way? Understand that and rejoice in it. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you never leave us nor forsake us, Lord Jesus. And regardless of where we are, Lord, today, I pray, Father, that you would uh, meet us and reveal more of yourself to us, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, for your deep, deep love for us, your kindness, Lord. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the fires that reveal more of you in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Father, for it, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the cross, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the cross. We're not left the way we came in, Lord. You can form us into your image, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you allow us to come boldly before you and just enjoy your presence. Thank you for your love. I pray, Lord, for each individual here, Father, that you would give them a fresh revelation of who you are, Lord, and you give them fresh eyes of your love for them. Break them free, Jesus. Wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.